in the podcast that you're about to hear, we had the opportunity to sit down with Alex West. Alex is a retired Navy SEAL and the founder of One More Wave. This podcast was recorded in November of 2019 at the Cato Conference before the world lost its mind. And Alex's message is make it to your next meal, not make it to next year or next week or tomorrow, but make it to your next meal. And for what we're going through in law enforcement in these current times, his message is more pertinent now than it ever has been before. Alex has been around the world serving our country, handling some of the nation's biggest military problems. And his lessons learned can help us, especially during these trying times. I want you guys all to know that here at Cato, we're proud of all of you because the for us in law enforcement, they always say, hey, you knew what you were getting into. We didn't know we were getting into what we're going through right now because if we did, we wouldn't have done it. So hold the line, straight to your values, and make it to your next meal. I'm going to start by uh, welcoming everybody to the Cato podcast. My name is Mitch Brulette. I'm here along with Toby Darby. We are at the 2019 Cato conference. Um, we're lucky enough to have Alex West with us. Alex is a former Navy SEAL. Um, he's also the vice president for Tomahawk Strategic Solutions. And he was our 2019 keynote speaker. Um, and Alex, we can tell you, uh, we want to welcome you first to the podcast. You, you know, you were our keynote speaker. And by talking to the attendees that, that were here, we know the message was received well. Um, and there were some things you really touched on that resonated with us. One being um, the mindset of making it to the next meal. But in, in your words, for maybe some of the membership that wasn't able to make it to the conference, um, what were like the four key points that you were trying to get to mm -hmm. us? Yeah, well, thank you guys for having me, uh, not just here on the podcast, but at the Cato Conference. Um, yeah, what, what I was really talking about with making it to the next meal was just any time in um, performance, it can be overwhelming, whether it's in uh, law enforcement or whether it's in military, business, um, sporting. You know, it, you can find yourself at any level just kind of overwhelming, being your own uh, worst critic and uh, your own worst enemy. So what, what I learned in BUDS in SEAL training back in the day, back in the 90s, <laughs> was um, essentially if anything got too overwhelming, just make it to the next meal. And what that would mean is if you're in uh, hell week, let's say, so five and a half days of four and a half hours of sleep, it's kind of the cold, like the really tough part of BUDS. I mean, it's all tough, but uh, essentially they, a technique that you would use is just make it to the next meal because if it was Monday night, you knew that, wow, if I started thinking about, I, I've got another few days of this, you'd kind of psych yourself out. So if you just made it to the next meal, you'd be fine. And what I was trying to bring up with, or trying to bring up on the, on the keynote speech was, hey man, like if you're ever, what that can apply to a SWAT team, you know, that could apply to a sports team. It's just make it to the next point because you can be your own worst enemy and certainly psych yourself out. And that could be all the way at the top of the chain of command, um, all the way down to the most junior person. So if you can lay it out to where, okay, I'm not going to, I get it. You know, we have, I have to do the whole operation, but let's just make it to the breach, let's say, or let's just make it to, um, you know, the, the first, get, let's get on the field if we're a sports team and uh, not let the, the hype kind of get to us. Cause at the end of the day, we all know how to play the game or we all know how to, we have our SOPs and serve a warrant and, uh, or in the military, you know, we all know same type of thing as a warrant, you know, to take down a, a building. So we know how to do it. So let's just go ahead and don't be our own worst enemy is essentially what I was getting at. 
All right, Alex, another thing that uh, was covered in what you were talking about, uh, you're a trainer, you mm-hmm. train military, you train law enforcement. Right. So you see the similarities in how uh, no matter if you're on an operation with the U.S. military or with uh, a SWAT operation, there's a lot of similarities. In that. Absolutely. Um, one of the things you talked about was momentum. Yeah. And that momentum could work for us, but can also work against us. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. I, you know, I, it's crazy when you think about momentum it, where it, it shouldn't really be a thing. <laughs> You know, where if, uh, you know, but we don't live in a black and white world. So if you just watch a sports team for some reason, you know, all of a sudden you can see, let's say, an offense in the NFL. Like you can just feel the momentum going. And, and I think that bridges right over to a tactical team. And I'm pretty sure anybody who's experiencing it can can relate to it where things are going really well, let's say. And so that, that could be, you know, the team's taking down a large target and we're just jamming our, our SOPs are great. Everybody's moving really well. And it's flowing. And um, so there's a lot of similarities there. But now that's when it's going great, of course. And then, you know, then you also have the snowball effect in a negative way where momentum, where that starts all the way from the planning or preparation of of a target, whether that's we didn't take the time to get everybody on the same sheet of music, let's say with standard SOPs for a tactical team. And then all of a sudden, you know, somebody messes one thing up and then that snowballs. And then now that leads to something else. And then now when it comes to the actual tactical leader, he's having to worry about it in his bandwidth in his head. You know, he can only take so much. I don't care how smart, accomplished, talented the guy is or gal is, but you know, now they're having to worry about things that they shouldn't have to worry about. So it's almost that momentum can be a double-edged sword where when it's good, it's good. And when it's bad, you know, obviously it can really snowball and things can compile on itself. So to, to be aware of, of that contingency of it getting bad and by placing things like solid SOPs in place, um, delegating a lot of leadership stuff out to, um, you know, guys right below you, you know, assistant team leaders and all that to where it's not just a one man show of a, of a tactical leader. It's, Hey, you know, maybe we've split it down to, you know, a few, you know, four or five man fire teams. And within each one of those four or five man teams, there's one leader that they all know. And then that way it's kind of delegated out a little bit where those leaders can help, you know, you know, help me out if I'm the tactical leader or I can just delegate to them like, Hey, can you take your four man team and, you know, take the second floor of the building or whatever it might be. I'm just kind of throwing out some uh, ideas, but essentially just delegating and being more of like a a flat type leadership sometimes like really helps. And, um, you know, with breaking down on that, um, negative momentum, like basically you're getting help from other leaders as well. And also, um, accountability to where those leaders now, are accountable for, you know, making sure that I know if I'm the tactical leader that like, Hey, you know, boss, our, our SOPs, like guys are not doing them, you know, or this group is kind of shying off and doing their own thing. And while the other group is doing the right thing, I don't know if, you know, you guys have probably seen it where, you know, little clicks within the team start doing their own thing. And, you know, and and that just is, in my opinion, unacceptable because even though they, they might be right, it's it can it'll cause a lot of issues within the overall team where like that's great you guys do this particular sop with your four-man group but you know let's either one all get on the same page or let's we can't do it you can't have cells within that yeah exactly because that will lead into that snowball or that negative momentum right when you don't need it it's interesting you bring up a lot of leadership concepts in your what you just talked about and uh you were a team leader right Mm -hmm. sure in the seals yep 
Um, you spoke on leadership many times prior to this conversation. And there's a key component in a lot of stuff that we do. Leadership is um, studies that have been conducted. A lack of leadership is 90% of you know what makes things go wrong and what we do. Right. Um, so from a leadership standpoint, do you have any nuggets? Because some of our uh, membership that's listening to this podcast right now are in a position as a team leader, is in a position as a, an incident commander or a team commander. And there's times when they're not challenged on a day-to-day basis where, uh, you know, this is perishable and they're not challenged Absolutely. to where uh, they have to make a decision in a crisis that may, you know, result in a loss of one of their individuals or an innocent bystander. So from the team leadership aspect of it, what kind of nuggets can you throw at us in making decisions in a crisis, holding people accountable, anything you experience as a, uh, a team leader? Right. No, that's, that's a good question. And I certainly have, uh, I have a lot of uh, answers for it, but right off the top of my head, I would think, you know, being a team leader, one of the biggest things that, you know, you're responsible for is before the actual operation or, or warrant search or whatever it might be, you know, being accountable for keeping your guys, you know, trained up on those SOPs and contingencies and things like that. So in owning it, if, if your team, let's say, doesn't do well or as good as they should have, you know, you kind of have to own that no matter what. Even if you weren't the guy that, you know, maybe messed something up within the, let's say it's just a training, uh, you're at the kill house, it's just training, and your guys are messing up or they're not as efficient with their breaches or they're, you know, guys, there's a trend where they're shooting unknowns for some reason. <laughs> you know, you know, stuff happens. I don't care how good of a team you are. Um, you know, you have to keep your finger on the pulse of, okay, wow, this is not just a one-off thing. This is, there's a trend starting, so let's stop it. And a lot of it when it comes, so that's kind of one part, but also um, within the SOPs, what I would recommend to any team leader out there is you can't stray away from the basics. Like you have to make sure your team is at that basic level. A, a mistake that a lot of teams make is they want to get really high speed fast. And that takes one, that takes time, but also two, that is sometimes you can't go any further than your weakest link. You know, so if you have the most junior guy that just checked in from the SWAT Academy, you know, he, you have to put yourself in his shoes of, wow, he's now one, probably kind of intimidated to be within a group of a bunch of experienced guys. And so too, so I have to put myself in his shoes and we can't go any, we can't leave him behind because he's our weakest link. And also when it comes to the basics, you know, that you just really can't get away from it. If our basics aren't tight, um, then we just can't progress. And that's, you know, similar to what I would assume LeBron James probably still practices, you know, doing free throws. You know, he's not too good for that. Or, or Floyd Mayweather, you know, when he's getting ready for a boxing match, you know, you see clips of him just shadow boxing. And all those guys, and that's just really comes back to the basics of here these guys are at the top of their game, and they're not too good to be, you know, working on on the basics. And I think every SWAT team should kind of think of that as well, where you might think, you know, that these, you know, we need to be so high speed, which don't get me wrong, I'm all about pushing guys and getting to that point, and that should be the goal of every team. However, as a leader, you have to really look at yourself deep inside and think of the team of, hey, are we, are we tight? Are we at tight at the most basic level? Because that's the foundation that everything gets built upon. If you want to go into night vision before you do it, it's, hey, are, are all of our SOPs really tight? Because once we put these things on, there's a lot of bandwidth that goes into that where guys now have to learn it. And I don't care how you know experienced and talented the guys are. That's still, you'll find yourself, I walk into walls with night vision on all the time still to this day. And, and it's embarrassing and, and I deserve to get made fun of. But the, the reality is, is, 
you know, now for keep thinking about it, it's not about those really advanced guys. It's about that most junior guy. So that's an important aspect, I think, of leadership of just don't not leaving those guys behind because as you all know, you know, that could be the actual guy that makes the entry, you know, and has to make that critical decision at that critical point during that search warrant where the whole team department, you know, is, is depending on on he or she to make that, you know, that decision. So you can't leave them behind. You you touched on a lot of great points. Um, one of the things, though, you are, like we mentioned, you're currently an instructor for tactics. Yep. You train swap off, you train military, you train a bunch of people. You see the evolution of tactics. I mean, from the '90s when you came on the SEAL yeah. team to now. I mean, um, and you, we have guys that come that goes off, go off to these schools, come back, and they think this is the latest and greatest thing. Right. You know. So, in regards to tactics, what have you seen in the evolution? What trigger points or what causes tactics to change? Mm-hmm. And what are your thoughts in regards to you know one team doing it one way, another team doing it? their way um or somewhat of a hybrid sure yeah that, that that's a great question I, I would say you know probably the biggest thing that has uh happened within uh the military and and i think it also has branched over to law enforcement is the uh evolution of tactics within like methodical clearance or um deliberate threshold clearing there's a lot of different you know names for it but as opposed to you know just rushing in um you know hostage rescue style you know, very dynamic, um, you know, when you don't have to, at least, you know, that decision right. should be made, you know, whether that is, and I'm not going to, you know, I'm not a law enforcement guy, so I'm not going to tell guys what to do, but I would say that there should be a reason that you're going dynamic or you're, you're getting in there. And that's a choice that has to be made by that SWAT commander on the scene, um, whether it's for evidence or whether it's for, um, you know, there is a hostage, you know, then that's okay. I get it. There's an actual reason for it. Cause if you do go in there rushing in and something happens, just from a guy who's experienced it, if one of your guys gets, you know, wounded or, or worse, then now you kind of have to answer to it. And it's, well, why did we go? Is it just because we always did it that way? I mean, that, you know, even if a guy just slightly gets wounded and it's, it, but you should as a leader think to yourself, did I do, did I set these guys up for success? So uh, to answer your question, the methodical of just threshold clearing, taking your time, because what people don't realize is when you slow it down, you're actually, not going that much slower and the reason why is because if i'm going slower i'm actually absorbing more information that's going on and i'll make less mistakes and mistakes actually equal time and we've done tests where you know if you, if you take down a building and you do it in you know methodical and you do it in a hostage rescue of course an experienced team if they're hauling ass they'll take it down faster however if you're actually take the time and i would challenge guys to actually do that not let your guys know that you're taking time just do it without them knowing and you'll see that you're actually not going that much slower because you're not making as many mistakes. Even if you're taking your time and pine from outside, it's it's a cool little test to maybe do within your team. If you're not, if you if you think I'm kind of full of it right now, just go ahead and try it with your team, and and I think you'll be surprised. So to answer your question, long answer, it was certainly the implementation of methodical or threshold clearing, and I would really encourage teams out there that if they're not doing that, to just kind of think about it of hey, a high-risk warrant, you know, do I want to just send my guys in there, um, you know, guns blazing, you know, hauling ass, when I could, we could clear from the threshold is certainly um, at least explore that. And then when it comes to the uh, your other question of, you know, teams and different techniques and all that, I, I'm a big proponent of, you know, getting out there and, you know, trying to come to conferences like this, like Cato, or, you know, bringing other instructors in and 
and just seeing, you know, just, you could of course take a little something from each guy um, that is an instructor and you, you never know what you'll find. And that's when my own experience back in the, uh, you know, late nineties, early two thousands, we were hauling ass and going in there at the time I was on a hostage rescue team and we went over to Iraq and we're using that same technique and we you know really sustained a lot of casualties and uh, like a lot and you know then that's when we started kind of doing this threshold clearance and you know all of that stuff was learned kind of hardcore overseas but to be honest like some of the towns that officers are working in now i mean it certainly is happening every day that you guys are going up against some tough stuff so i, I would really look into just clearing from outside of the door of course you know, I, I, we're for Tomahawk Strategic Solutions, and you guys can always hit us up. However, you know, that's one thing. I, you know, certainly just there's other companies that do it. Just or you know, figure it out if you don't have the budget, and you know, you're just there's a lot of ways to talk to your other buddies and other SWAT teams that are doing it, and um, you know, just use that technique because there's no reason to just rush in there if you don't have to. Right, smooth as fast. Yeah. Alex, um, we can't thank you enough. I know um, the focus for us that uh, we're behind the scenes working this conference was really to focus on content um, to get our membership um, to to come, you know, to continue to come back. And I think what you did um, in your keynote speech, you kind of set the tone for the conference. Um, like I said, the feedback that we got was amazing. Um, but before we let you before we let you go, we wanted to give you an opportunity to touch base. Uh, not only are you a former Navy SEAL, you're vice president for Tomahawk Strategic Solutions. You also started a nonprofit, and it's called One More Wave. Um, can you touch base on what One More Wave is? And yeah, absolutely. And yeah, thanks for the opportunity. Uh, One More Wave is a 501c3 tax exempt nonprofit that we start. I started 2015, and what we do is we make custom shaped surfboards for wounded or injured veterans, customized to their injuries. That could mean, you know, an amputee, a burn victim, or maybe somebody who has just PTSD, right? And so they're able-bodied, and so we're able to make that board, but not just the actual characteristics of the design of the board, so maybe a reinforced deck or the top of the surfboard so a prosthetic doesn't go slamming through it. That might be one uh, characteristic, but we also do the art artwork in it. So if a guy's a Chargers fan, he can have a massive lightning bolt on the front, and he tells you, this is where I want that lightning bolt. If it's a unit logo, you know, he's a Marine, he wants a, a logo on wherever it might be. They actually get a pick out where they want. It's truly customized. And um, we started here in San Diego and we have uh, a chapter up in, uh, up north in San Jose. We also, um, uh, not San Jose, I'm sorry, up in, uh, up in Northern California. Yeah, San Jose, sorry. I'm just, I had a little bit too much coffee. And then we have uh, one in Oahu, but we have served uh, over 300 veterans from uh, all the way from Guam, um, Hawaii, you know, through California, of course, to uh, the East Coast. And uh, we're looking to just continually grow and um, and getting guys out for ocean therapy. And that's something that I would uh, recommend to some law enforcement officers out there that if you guys are struggling and you kind of live by the coast, you know, certainly like just finding, a, you know, a buddy who can surf and uh, just giving it a shot because I think there's something to the ocean. And uh, I always felt better going, coming out of the ocean than when I went in even if it was a great surf day or bad conditions, or maybe it was a great surf day and I just blew every single wave for some reason, I, I always felt better coming out. And I think there's something to it. And so, um, yeah, I would check out, you know, surfing, of course, check out One More Wave if you want to support at www.onemorewave.net. And um, you, there's a lot of ways to support, whether it's, you know, buying a t-shirt 
um, volunteering or just following us on uh, social media. And, um, you know, there's a lot of different ways to do it. And, uh, and if, if not, certainly if you're, uh, if you have a buddy or whatever, and you live close to the ocean, there's no reason why you can't find an old beater foam top board and, and just get out in the water. And, uh, I'm sure you'll, you know, that can help. Right. And then also for our membership, you can uh, find more information on, uh, on their social media outlets, Facebook is one more wave. And then on Instagram at the letter one uh, M and then wave. So again, Alex, thank you so much from, um, from us at KW. Um, you truly, like I said, set the, the momentum for our conference and uh, it was an uh, honor to have you at our conference. Well, yeah, thank you for, for having me. And if I could also plug the uh, company that I work for at uh, Tomahawk strategic solutions um, for, we do tactical training as the guys mentioned, but our website is www.tomahawkss.com. And um, yeah, we do everything from tactical teams, patrol officers, and uh, just trying to do everything we can to, uh, you know, to support law enforcement. Thank you for listening to the Cato Podcast. To become a member of Cato, check out our website at catonews.org. If you have a topic suggestion, please send them to podcast at catonews.org. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with a friend and rate us on the platform of your choice.